Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Well, good morning and welcome to the Loft. Hey, I'm excited. It's a good weekend to be here. And if I never met you, my name is Jason. Uh, and for those who join online, hey, welcome to the Loft as well. This morning as we just connect uh, with people worldwide. And, um, and for everybody else out there enjoying Memorial Day weekend, uh, 2017 at the beach, at the lake, uh, camping. No, we're not jealous up here. Uh, no, seriously, we're laser focused on Jesus, you bunch of sinners. Um, but at the same time, we're, we're, we're excited because we get to finish this series out and, and really just laser focus on what it really means to understand uh, when we say these three words, we, not me. And those are some powerful words. But before we get started, I just want to take just a, a small moment and, and just make sure a lot of women know what this right here is. And, and there's some cards in the back. And, 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 you know, sometimes in the summertime, you like to get better in shape and try to do some other things. I would encourage you to pick one of these cards up at Connection Point on the way out. Or at least see Anita, she'll tell you more about it. Uh, but more importantly, tonight, there's some opportunities for you to jump in there and start serving with some of our serve teams this summer. So as we start off by saying um, this, this we uh, a couple weeks ago... Uh, these words that we sort of throw out there, I really believe this. We are stronger together than separate when we try to do ministry on our own. Um, there's no way I could get up here and, and, and do music and do this and do the lights and everything. So there's a team effort when we get together and we sort of follow Jesus and he puts us together and uniquely makes us one. Because uh, everything's better when we follow Jesus, bottom line. Uh, and those are words to live by, as we started off a couple of weeks ago, simply by the, the most challenging two words that I find in the Bible, uh, because it's, it's, it literally has to do with me. But when we find those two words and we really seek them and we go after them, those two words, man, those words are challenging because you have to change what you care about from here on out. And those two words are what? Say it with me, church. Follow. Ah, you've heard it before. Yeah, follow me, right? Those two words are so challenging in the scriptures simply because that means you have literally got to follow somebody. You, you, you have to die to yourself and sort of just move in that direction and just trust, even though it may look a little dim or maybe it's messy or maybe it, it, you just, you're uncertain. But I promise you, those are the words that we're commanded to do and it changes everything. Last week, we looked at, at what the church is, and we, and we, and we found out that literally uh, it's always been the bride of Christ, bottom line. It's always been the bride of Christ, and that it's beautiful when, when we put his mission into motion, which is we moving in that direction, his people and it creates something special. It creates worship gatherings. It creates movements. It creates people to start to see Jesus in ways they've never seen him before. More importantly is when love really is the center of it. It comes, Jesus comes alive, bottom line. And so today we're going to talk about uh, this idea of, of, of what it means when you put those two things into motion and, and, and everything. It's really this, this whole concept of why he does what he does in the first place. And, and it's reaching people for Christ. It's reaching people for Christ. When we really sink our teeth into we, not me, it's, it's about reaching people for Christ, which, which involves all of us. It involves all of we. That's poor grammar, I know. I didn't do grammar school very well, but you know, hey, I live in Bull County. So it's about we, right? It's about we. But before we talk about that, I just want to take a one second to give you a snapshot of where we're going. So the next couple of weeks, and literally, uh, 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 basically the whole summer, 
Uh, we decided it was so important to really talk about a subject because when we start asking people, when we start inviting people, when we start investing in people, they all say the same thing, especially in the culture that I grew up, which is central Kentucky. And a lot of people have had this sort of bad experience in church. Now then, you know, for the next 10 weeks, literally, with a bunch of different speakers investing into it, you know, we're going to talk about bad church experiences. We're going to talk about bad church I know no one up here has ever had a bad church experience, right, you know? Just by the show of hands, come on, let's be honest. Just, have you ever had a bad church experience? Come on, raise your hand. Yeah, look at that. See, you're not alone. How cool is that? We've got a bunch of people up here who have had bad church experiences. Thank you for your honesty. My question is, did it drive you crazy? You know, did you go home crying a little bit, kind of frustrated inside, it just couldn't sit well with you, right? You just sort of, ah, man, what happened? I wanted red paint on the wall, not white, you know? I'll be honest with you, that's, that's, that's a, lot of, a lot of churches around here, we struggle with colors, and, and, and then we just, should we not hang that and do that? It's just weird. We, we, Christians are weird, let's just be honest, because you're our one if you follow Jesus. Um, did it drive you further away from the church? You know, and so for the next couple of weeks, my hunch tells me there's some people that are around you that have had a bad church experience, and we just want them to know, hey, you're not alone, and a lot of us have had one. There's some scriptures that really are going to bring this to light, and if we camp out on it, and if we do a good job at presenting the gospel, my hunch tells me maybe it could change somebody's life. Maybe it could change somebody's life because literally it's, it's, it's not about me anymore. It's about we getting together and being humble enough to say maybe we've messed up. And maybe, maybe just maybe a pastor said something they shouldn't have because they think they had the authority to say something. Maybe, maybe the church t- took a stance on something that was political or maybe it, just, it was just wrong and, uh, for more. And so we just want to camp on some ideas that allow you to draw in and just hopefully change some lives. Because this is what we know. One invitation, if you, if you start to invite some friends and family, one inv- invitation could be all it takes to change somebody's life. That's as simple as I know how to say it. One invitation could be all it takes to change somebody's life. And so we, we, we turn it over to you as we turn that page into, into summer, because literally summer has started, right? The official day of summer starts today, Memorial Day weekend, right? And so we just, we camp out on this idea all summer long. So I'm sure none of you got vacations or anything planned this summer. So if you do miss out on a day, hey, you can hop back in because we're going 10 weeks, baby, with this one, all right? Um, so uh, now before we, we launch into our, our you know, this, this sermon series uh, that close this one down, I just want to give one more plug for, for tonight. Um, because I know they're predicting some weather and stuff. And so uh, tonight is 7 p.m. We have an opportunity to, to literally uh, do something really special with our community, to launch our summer missional teams. And we do that over here at the courthouse uh, on Main Street at Whimsical Park. Um, and it's a family ministry night where we can do the blitz together as a big family. There's some the snowy machine out there, popcorn and some other things, some movie at 845-ish. Uh, and, and, and this is an opportunity for you just to get plugged in and start connecting with some people. Uh, bring your lawn chair and just love on some people and just see what God does. There'll be some music earlier. If you don't know anything about it, connect with Joseph on the way out. Uh, he's the guy wearing the cowboy hat on the way up in the elevator. Um, and so it's just our way of launching our summer ministry teams called Love Loud Now teams that are going out into our community. We're also be sending three groups uh, this summer into different locations. And it's just going to be fun, exciting, filled with Jesus all summer long. And if that doesn't get you jacked up, I don't know what will. So, but if it does rain, hey, we're going to meet up here tonight. I don't know that sort of dampens our plans, but uh, we, we dream big and we're just going to pray a hedge of protection over that courthouse and then like a big, a huge umbrella uh, and we'll see what happens. And so uh, we, we believe God's going to do some cool things. But 
But before we get there, uh, let me ask everybody a quick question on Memorial Day weekend, right? How many of you are up here um, that are followers of Jesus? So um, let me clarify that one first. You know, if you're a follower of Jesus, uh, you, you've submitted to those two words, follow me. Um, know someone who's not a follower of Christ. Raise your hands. Come on. All right, so we got half the people in here, at least more, raising their hands. Uh, and you know, you, you know someone who's a candidate for the grace of God, for the, his, his life-changing transformation power. And if you're a Jesus follower, then you know that you're called to be the light of the world to them. You are the salt of the earth. Jesus command, commanded you to, to go into the world and to preach the gospel and to make disciples of all nations. And if we know all this to be true, um, and yet we don't always do it, why, why do we hesitate in sharing our faith? Why do we hesitate or, 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 you know, balk, if we can use a baseball term, why do we do that? Why do we stall? Why are we coming out of the gate? Why do we, why do we, why do we trip up? What is it? A lot of us like, well, you know, there's, there's some reasons. And I think, I think sometimes some of the reasons we don't share our faith or, or we don't want to serve is, is, if we could just be honest and throw four of them up here real quickly, uh, you're afraid. I, I'm afraid. We, we might be afraid of what sharing means to us. We might have to get outside our comfort zones. It may cost us something, time, right? Yeah. Energy. Yes, true. Uh, or we might just have to change, the big one I think is we have to change what we care about. If we're really completely honest, that one's the one that is going to sting the most. We have to change what we care about. And some people just honestly, that one's a struggle. I'm afraid of changing what I care about because it's going to change everything. I, I'm a, you know, I, I like my OCD world. I like to do this this way. I like to, but you're going to have to get past that one if you're going to follow Jesus. He's going to crush OCD out the window. Number two, I know a lot of people have said this one. I don't feel qualified. I don't feel qualified. How many would say sometimes you feel a little bit unqualified? You feel a little bit unqualified because of your past maybe? Maybe some of the things you're doing currently? What if they ask me a question? What if they ask me a question? What if I, I don't know the answer? I don't know Jason's cell phone off the top of my head, or I don't know, you know somebody's cell phone, I, I don't know what to say. What if I get in a place where I can't fully explain the gospel? Why do we often hesitate? Because we're afraid, because we don't feel qualified. I don't want to be pushy is number three. I know a lot of people in this area, we, we, we've, we've seen it. You know, we've actually seen it where there's people that are kind of pushy with their faith. They almost come in with a bulldozer type of mentality. They're just going to bulldozer over top of you. Jesus, save, save, saves. You know, we get in that motion. Oh, you just need Jesus. You know, we, we, I've seen it. You know, I've, seen, I, I've been sitting in the hub and I've overheard conversations. Well, you just need Jesus. You just need Jesus. And I'm like, yes, I got Jesus, but what else? You know, and it's just really pushy. It's pushing a subject onto them. And they don't really, they, they just need someone to love on them. They need someone just to care for them. They need somebody to walk through this mess with them. Right? Well, see, we see, we get in this pushy habit of Jesus and it becomes a language, right? We don't want to be pushy. And I guarantee you, some of you have known some pushy Christians. Anybody known a pushy Christian? Yeah. They're in your face. You just need Jesus. You need, you need, you need. You know, it's almost religion, religion, religion every time. 
It's not Jesus. It's just religion. You squeeze them and they burp out religion stuff. You know, it's just, <laughs> you, know it's, you know what I'm saying? You've seen it. And you're just like, stop it. You're destroying what God set in motion. You, you don't want to be that person. And I, and I understand that. And so just chill out. Allow the Holy Spirit to move you. And you listen because God gave you two ears, one mouth. And then you just respond when it's appropriate. And number four, I would say this. Um, I am complacent. I'm complacent. The saddest thing is, but many of us, we get complacent. We simply don't care that much anymore about the movement that God started when it's about we. Our life is okay to me, and and I mean, we got Jesus, and I'm good. My family understands that. We're going to heaven, and we, we really don't care much. May I remind you that you don't need a spiritual degree to share your faith. You know, I don't think you really need is Facebook, quite honestly, after what we witnessed last week. One person decided to put their Jesus story on Facebook and someone accepted Christ through that. Now, if that doesn't, you know, that, that's just awesome. I mean, it literally is. Now, you, you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to, to know all the answers. Why? Because you are filled with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Living inside you, God calls you to be an ambassador for Christ. And you are the highest ranking diplomat on the face of this earth, sent forth from heaven to earth to represent Jesus. And so those of you who, would, who are listening and would say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I don't know what to do and I don't know how to share my faith. Let me just push you a little bit, a little bit today. Let me, I, I, instead of pushing, let me, let me ask you to do something. Let me ask you to take a step and be open. Because I believe God's calling you to share your faith. And I believe he's asking us all to take a step further and stop gazing. You know, I think a lot of Christians are just gazing at awe and wonder. Looking at movements around the world and just going, wow. And sometimes we just sort of get caught looking up. We sort of get caught looking up. And I believe one of the reasons why the church is failing in so many ways is because we make the church about me. We make the church about me. We gaze and say, well, if, if it ain't broke, what? Don't fix it. This is the way I like to have my church. We're sort of gazing into the past and like this is what it looks like. Do you realize there's a lot of more people outside the church walls just care less about coming in simply because we're gazing? We, we have models that worked in the late 1900s, and we can say that now, <laughs> the 1900s, and we're still trying to use them today. There's people dying and going to hell simply because they don't understand the love of Jesus. We're gazing. We're gazing into the past and saying the good old days. And we watch people leave a church in droves. We also have people sit back and gazing and watching one person do all the work. Now, no one said amen on that one, especially some of the serve teams. But we, we have people, literally certain people that do all the work and, and we praise them instead of the one working through them. We also have people more focused on what uh, can we consume out of the church versus getting involved and becoming a spiritual contributor. Meaning, let's just gaze and enjoy the moment and then be the first out the door. Never rarely putting forth any spiritual involvement never contributing in any way and they always wonder why the church can't move forward and do something different maybe it's because you're gazing 
Maybe you just decided to sit back and gaze and say, oh, I'm a part of that church. I also believe that we have a generation, a people who are going in the wrong direction and we are gazing, we are gazing. They're gazing their life away and others, by just looking and not doing, we are more focused on the small things versus the big things. We're focused on the small things versus the big things that Christ said go do. We are focused on me, church, and instead of reaching those for Christ, we are always focused, we're always focused on the math, and we miss the mission. We miss the mission. Now, I told you this is going to be deep from the get-go, but I promise you, this gets really good here in a second, okay? We, we focus on the math, and we miss the mission. And, if, and if I've being really honest, I've, I've talked to a lot of church pastors about this subject that I'm getting ready to talk on today. And you, you sort of listen to some of, some of their stories, and they're all similar. And pastors, let's just be honest, we, we, we talk about numbers, math. If we did this, we'll get this. If we, we focus on this, we'll, we'll see an increase in this. And, and I'll be honest, I, I was once there. But when God revealed, hey, it's not about numbers, it's about the mission. Those four words that I often say, it's long obedience in the same direction, it's it's literally following him through thick or thin, no matter what happens in your culture, you just keep your eyes fixed on me, the author and perfecter of your faith, and I promise you, love never fails. And when you follow him, things change. It's just we can't stop and gaze. When we do, we get focused on ourselves. It becomes more about me instead of about we. And so if you've got your Bibles, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. We're going to read a small passage here, uh, right here out of the gate. You know, right out of the gate, we're going to read this passage. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. That's where we're at today. In Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. And I just really love this passage because it allows us to understand a little bit about where we're going, uh, even for this summer. And we can hopefully change some people's hearts because this is really powerful stuff. Um, the author here is truly trying to explain what it really means to, to, to not do what I just talked about. And he, he tells the truth, and I think it's kind of funny because they were just gazing. I'll get to that in a minute. But it says in, in verse 1, it says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. And after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, meaning that all these guys are around, they're listening, and, and so we, we know that they're, they're, they're engaged in what God's doing uh, because they're following Jesus. And in verse 3 it says, After his suffering, meaning you know, after he was crucified, he presented himself. So now, you know, this is, this is confirmation that the resurrection did happen. It's kind of cool. After, this, after his suffering, he, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Now then, he, he continued to preach like, you know, it, people were lost. And that's awesome because they were. And, and they actually persecuted him. They actually killed him. And then, so this is the author really breaking this down and saying, listen, you need to pay attention to this. This is really important. This is really, really super. I mean, this is awesome. This is, this is truth. This is knowledge. This, this will set you free. 
Amen. We, we have followed Jesus throughout his whole three years of ministry, and now they killed him, and, and now he, he's alive again, and nothing can stop him. And he appeared to him over 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. And he said, on one occasion, and here we go, here's more, pick it up, right? On, on verse 4, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, so they're gathering around this table and just enjoying, he gave this, this command, and this command says this, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For all these times, he's been speaking about this one gift that's going to change everything. For John the Baptist, verse 5, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the what? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. We just sang about that just a minute ago. And, it, and it's the game changer in everything. It's the thing that allows you to literally move mountains, if we can say that, literally. But a lot of us step back and we gaze. Because we don't really neither believe in it, or sometimes we don't even talk about it. It took me forever to talk about the Holy Spirit, because I was afraid of talking about it. And that's just in my own personal walk. But now I know it's a part of me, and it's because it's Jesus in me, and I'm just like, man, I can't wait to, to see what God does through this. Because when he moves, he's moving through the Holy Spirit in me and it sets other things around me completely in motion. And that's not me, that's the Holy Spirit. Now then, verse 6. Now this is where I think it's kind of funny. Um, if you, if you, you have children, right? If you've got children, you know, you tell them things, you, come, you give them some instructions to go do, and then all of a sudden you get to that weird moment when you clearly give them some instructions, right? And you've been teaching them all these years, and they know what to do, and you, you reiterated one more time to go do something, and they come at you with this other question that just sort of just like, you did What? Why would you say that? This is this right here moment. And so Jesus says this. It says, it says, all of a sudden, it says in verse 6, it says, They gathered around him, meaning the disciples, and asked him, Hey, hey, Lord, Lord, hey, Jesus, um, got a quick question. Um, at, at this moment, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And you can just lean into this. I know sometimes people glaze over this like a Krispy Kreme donut, but... We can't do that. Look at what it says. It says, man, Jesus gets fired up. He gets so fired up. We, you know, we, we sort of you know, do the same thing. We get focused on the math and not the mission. So, so it's, it's good to see that they were focused on me, church, as well. It means we're in good company. You know, it means sometimes we need to, to hear this again. And, and, and sometimes we need to be fueled by Jesus and understand this. He's getting ready to drop the mother load right here. I mean, this is going to change everything because he disappears. He said to them in verse 7, It is not for you to know the time or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. And I can only imagine this. He's speaking with a motherly and fatherly voice too, the stern voice, right? He's coming at them. He's, you know, it is not for you to know the times and the dates of the Father set by his own authority. In verse 8 it says, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my what? Witness in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
Meaning in all locations, basically around my planet, you're going to be my witness of what you have been seeing for the past three years and now for the past 40 days that I am alive and well and my love conquers death. Verse 9, it says this. I love it. If this is one of those verses you want to highlight, go ahead and highlight because this is just comedy played out. It says, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes in the cloud. He hid from their sight. It's like, and I have hide it. You're going to be my witness. And gone. And I love what it says. You know, he's just like, he has just had it. He's taught them and he's loved them. He's taught them and everything. And he's like, it's about we. It's not about you, man. It's no longer about the math, it's about the mission. I'm telling you, it's about we. You need to go share the, what I've done for you, and, and you just don't, you just, mm. and all of a sudden, they're just looking around like, I told you you shouldn't have said it, you know? You know, you know who it was, too. It's like Peter, James, and John, like one of those three, because they argued who was going to sit on the right hand of God, right? You know, it was one of those three that had to ask the question. I guess it was John, but I'm just saying, one of those dudes asked that question, and you're just looking at each other like, why'd you say that? I told you not to say it. Right? And in verse 10, it says they were doing this. They're just, just watching him go up in the cloud of smoke. And, this is, and, and I love this verse. And, and it says this. It says they, verse 10, it says they were looking what? Oh, come on, say it with me, church. They were looking what? Man, what does that mean? Yeah, looking hard. Like, trying to get around the cloud, you know, doing his lumber, just looking around like, I got him over here, man. Come over. It's, it's a cloud. You got to move around over here, right? They're looking intently like, man, is he coming back? Is, did you take him off that bat? I can't believe you said that, James. John, Peter, I told you not to say that. Now what are we going to do? They're just gazing. They're looking up into the sky he was going, and when suddenly two men addressed in white stood beside them, and it says, men of Galilee, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way he has seen, you have seen him go into heaven. Now get busy. Stop gazing. I think for the past couple hundreds of years, the church has been gazing. That's just what I believe. We've been gazing at what our, old, our, our, our foundation, our, you know, how we've launched the church, and, and we're just looking up. We've got our arms crossed, and sometimes we sort of feel like we've arrived, like we, this is what it's all about. Oh, you know, we've, and just, if we can just talk about our history and our journey, you know, you know from the school to the park and to the loft on Main. We're just gazing like, wow, this is awesome. And it's never been about a location. It's been about you multiplying and going sharing your story and going sharing what you have witnessed. It's not about adding people math because math never adds out to what he asks us to do, which is multiply. Go share your story. Go watch what happens. Trust in me Follow me. Share me. And when we do that, oh, it gets fun. You know, we shouldn't get caught gazing. We should not 
gaze any longer. And if my plea here, if you're a follower of Jesus and you've been doing this for 30 some odd years, 20 some odd years, or maybe even longer, who knows? But if you're just sitting back and gazing and waiting on other people to do what you've been called to do, you're gazing. If you can't roll up your sleeves and get busy and go help others reach others for Christ, then you're gazing. If you can't be a spiritual contributor, you're gazing. When we move, when we move, we achieve the mission of Jesus, period. When we move, we achieve the mission of Jesus. If we gaze, we abandon the mission of Jesus. If we gaze, we abandon the mission. And I don't know many people who do not want to move. Most people are looking. You just raised your hands earlier. You just raised your hands earlier and you said, you know somebody who doesn't know the love of Jesus. A lot of people in this room raised their hands. And my question is to you is when is the last time you went and spoke to that one person about not what happened at the football game, baseball game, or did you see this, or did you think about what's happening with the politics or whatever else, you know, left-wing stuff, right-wing stuff, in the middle stuff, I don't know what that means. But something more serious about Jesus. To be a witness. How Jesus changed your life. How you were in a dark spot in your life. And you just cried out to God and you said, I can't do it anymore. And then it became a we moment. When you become a we moment, he does something remarkable. He shares that in a way that only he can through the Holy Spirit. And it impacts that one person sitting beside you. Remember, the mission is all about the you beside you. And when we can figure that out, when we follow in that footstep, when we get engaged in the mission, it changes everything. If we gaze, we abandon the mission. If we decide to become a witness and share our faith with others with the same mission that Jesus commanded us, the most greatest command ever he gave, just love God and love others, we know that one. But to me, one of the best commands literally that allows me to put this thing into motion comes from Matthew 28, 19. It does. 28, 19, 20, it says this. You know, I believe it just, it's the beginning to come alive and to see people alive, uh, come alive around the world uh, to, to move towards Jesus for the very first time. But it all starts with you. And it says this in verse 19, it says, therefore, go. There we go. Two words. Therefore, go. It says, make disciples. You know, what I have figured out, everybody's making a disciple of something. But when you're making, a, 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 you know, if you're following Jesus, you're going to be doing things that are a little bit different than our culture. And when you start to really camp out on that and you start to move towards that, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the, what's that word? Holy Spirit. Guess what fell on them? Holy Spirit. There's no other explanation other than the fact that the Holy Spirit moved a group of people and caused change around the world when that first century church. How do you get so many Christians moving in the same direction? Half the world's population at one time was Christian back in Jesus' day, right after you know, he, he moved up to heaven. But since that daytime, 
We've been slacking. Or let me say it this way. We've been gazing. And, and it goes a little deeper. And it says, and I'm teaching them or teaching them to obey everything. See, we've got to change what we care about. You can't just pick and choose, guys. You can't pick some scriptures that really, oh, it's my power verse for the day, you know, or this is my favorite verse and this trumps that verse. You can't pick and choose. Man, you've got to look at all of them. You can't just go back to here, the New Testament, Old Testament. You can't say one outweighs the other. Hey, it's the word of God. It's living and active, and it breathes life into the dead. Period. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely, I love this part, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. No matter when you think you can't do it anymore or when you feel like you're afraid or you, you, know, you, just, you feel like I'm, I'm disqualified, it says right here, I am with you. That means you're not alone. It's not about you anymore. You have a we. You're going out with somebody bigger than you, stronger than you, and he is going out before you and preparing the grounds. You just got to be willing enough to do one thing. Go. Follow him. That's right. But you've got to go. You can't be complacent anymore. You've got to roll up the sleeves and go. And this is what I know inside this room right here today. This is the craziest thing to think about. There's more talent in this room right here than we could possibly ever try to imagine to put together strategically. You have more skill sets that God has blessed you with to go out and multiply and share with others. And my hunch is, you know how to love somebody. If you've been around anybody, you, you know what love, real love looks like. And if we start to love that way, in John 13, 35, it says this. When we follow the Holy Spirit and we start to trust Jesus, it says this, that they will know that you're his disciple by what? Love. The love that separates everything. The love that really changes lives. The love that really completely is the game changer. We got to be focused. You see, you don't need a degree. You don't have to be an expert or know all the answers. You just need to share Jesus and allow Him to do the rest. You got to love your neighbor. You got to love your neighbor no matter where you're at and watch what He does. But first, we have to move and we have to stop gazing. We have to know why we're doing what we're doing because we're trusting Jesus and we're making disciples because it's. It's more than just putting on a game shirt or looking the part as well on Sundays. You see, we can play the role, but until we begin to share our story, to share and be that witness, that eyewitness, it's just me getting in the way of ultimately the primary mission or the goal. I've I've sort of shared this story before, and, and, and it's one of those things where you know, uh, I love the sport. Um, soccer is an amazing sport. Um, you know, you don't use your hands, so, you know, I'm, I'm actually breaking the rules right now. Uh, but, you know, you use your feet, your, your legs, and, you know, your heads if you want to. Um, and, but I've been able to coach now my, my kids in soccer for quite some time, especially my Otis three. And uh, I, I remember teaching early often my, my son, Maximus, how to play soccer. And, and so my daughter 
um, sort of was watching for quite some time how to play the sport. And, and so eventually we were able to put her in the game and we, 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 put, we dressed her up in the nice little uniform. We got some cleats and some shin guards and, and she just, you know, was all about the ponytail. You know, she loved the ponytail and she got the ponytail just right and she would, you know, get out there and, you know, and then with her little pink or red fingernails, making sure she looked just right to kick the ball. It was, it was such a girly thing, you know, I don't understand those things, but she looked the part, she dressed the part, she was good, and we even practiced, you know, we, we practiced how to pass the ball, how to throw the ball in, two hands over the head, we practiced how, how to, you know, run down the field together, and how to shoot the ball, we, 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 we ultimately shared all this information, and, and, and we did a really good job. The problem was, is Mia you know, my daughter, um, really enjoyed this social time of, of, out there on the field with, with other players. And, and you know, I remember this one game specifically. She got literally, like, not just her teammates, but the other team as well to chase a butterfly. I mean, across the field. The game ball was sitting right there, and she was like, come on, guys. And she had everybody chasing this butterfly, a big butterfly. And I saw it, and it was kind of crazy. It was a big butterfly. But it was crazy that she got everybody to go chasing a butterfly. And this other time, I, I kid you not, she got everybody literally on our team to sit down and pick those little white clovers, was there, you know, those little white play. And then they were trying to find a four-leaf clover during the middle of a game. You know, it's just like mind-boggling how this one kid has this much influence on the rest of her team, and they're just out there ringing around the rosies, you know, playing duck, duck, goose during a soccer game. And so I pulled her aside. I said, Mia, we, we have lost every game. <laughs> and it's because of you. <laughs> I love you, but I'm no longer going to be your coach. I didn't say that. Wanted to, but I didn't. I said, Mia, and I, I remember specifically, I, I got down and I held the ball just like this in the middle of the game. And I was like, Mia, this ball, this ball, objective, if, if we want to win the game, this ball needs to go in that goal. When you put this ball in that goal, we score a point. And when we do that, we start to win. And it was like that moment of clarity just hit. She looked at me and went. She goes, when I kick the ball and put it in that goal, we win the game? And I looked at her and I was like, have you not understood the whole message the whole time we've been out there playing soccer for the last two years? And she was just like gazing. She was just gazing at the field. She was gazing at the opportunity to get out there with her friends. She was gazing at the, at the moment to dress up, to put on the, the outfit. She was gazing literally at the butterflies and the bees and everybody else. And when, when people would cheer her name, she'd go. But I'll tell you what happened. When the father told her, commanded her, hey, put the ball in the back of the net. You know what she did within 30 seconds? She put the ball in the back of the net. I was like, that's my daughter. Where have you been? And I, and I started jumping up and down. I'm like, yes! Yeah! And, and everybody's like, what's going on? I was like, she put the ball in the back of the net. She got it. 
She figured it out. She's not gazing anymore. She's in the game. She's making a difference. And the next thing happened, you know, the other team kicks the ball off. Guess what happened? She stole the ball. She took off running. She scored. I mean, she scored another goal. I'm like, woo! We got a Pele on our hands now. I mean, she's doing crazy things. She attacking that ball now. She's she scored four goals in literally one quarter. I'm like, where have you been? What have you been doing? Now she gets it. Now, I can blame myself for that one because I never got down on one knee and said, put the ball in the back of the net because I just told her how to get out there and look the part, act the part, pass the part, have fun. Culturally, just to be real, a lot of churches in general, we do the same thing. We socially get together and we look at butterflies. We look about the math, how to sub, how not, how to serve, but we never focus on the mission. We get distracted by all the other things. And sometimes I think we need a reminder for all of us to put the ball in the back of the net. And it's as simple as following Jesus and listen to what he's commanded you. Love God. Love others. Go share your story. It's just that simple. And when you do that, you will put the ball in the back of the net. It will change the culture which with you live. It will change everything. Mia became literally the most famous person on her soccer team. She was running faster. She started doing things. I mean, it was just crazy, whatever. And when, when other teams now faced us, they were like, oh, we got to play them now. Because they didn't want to play these other girls. Because I love it. I'm, for whatever reason, you can say, you know, you're disqualified. You don't, you're, you're afraid. That was our team before they understood the whole mission. You know why? Because our team was made up of nine girls. That might sound funny in some ways, but literally Mia could control nine girls and get them to all look at their fingernails, pick clovers, pick flowers, pick whatever. And it's just like they were, they were sitting on the sideline going, two, four, six, eight. I'm like, this is soccer. This ain't cheerleading. Please play the game. And what I found out was true was this. As soon as one person figured out the mission, guess what the other person did? Man, there's another girl named Caroline. Woohoo! She's good too. There's another girl. She was good too. Man, they all started figuring out how to put the ball in the back of the net. When nine girls get focused on that, man, we became an awesome team. It was an amazing thing to watch what we were capable of doing. It no longer was about me. It was about everybody out there. It was a we thing. And man, no one wanted to play us. And to this day, people see us coming like, "Uh uh-uh, don't want to play the Kilby team. It's just... It, that's what happens. They know us by our what? Our love. They know us by the game we want to play because it's no longer about church, guys. It's about people lighting up the world literally by your story, about you becoming a witness, about you rolling up your sleeves and getting messy, getting out there and serving God for the very first time. I promise you, it will change you and it will change the world. The question is, are you willing to go do it? Are you willing to listen to the word of God and put the ball in the back of the net?
as we begin the summer, as we dive into the summer, uh, who's the person? Who is the person where you work, where you live, where you play, you need to share your faith with this summer? I'm asking you, stop gazing on Sundays and go out and be missional. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and even on Sundays, be missional. How can you begin to move and be a spiritual contributor to what God has in store for our community? Don't be the stumbling block. Do not be focused on the math. Focus on the mission. We need to change. We need to continue to change what we care about and to see Jesus' mission move, which was to do one thing. Which is to do one thing change the world, to change the world. And you, if you're a follower of Jesus, have been commanded to go do it. So I ask that you join me this summer. Pick a team that you want to serve. Start your own team. Go out and love thy neighbor and watch what happens when you decide to get into the game and put the ball in the back of the net and start reaching people for Christ. Because when you can do that, we get better. We get stronger. And we are a force for good. Let me pray for you. Hey, Jesus, man, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing, and I thank you for how you're moving. Because I know people here in this, this body are coming alive. And I'm seeing it daily because people are saying, what can I do? What, what, I have this skill set. Where can I, this be used? Jesus, we, we, we know we have to change what we care about. We, we know that we, we need to do some things. But, but first and foremost, well, the one thing we have to do, we have to submit to your authority. We have to follow you and just say, okay, God, it, it's no longer about me. It's no longer about anything about me, but it's about we. When we, when we get together, the, literally the church thrives. It becomes a vibrant body, and it moves in ways we've never dared and risk alone. But it all starts with the relationship with me and you. And when we do that, it changes everything. And then the only thing we have to go do is simple. Go tell about the change. Go tell our neighbor about the, what, what took place. That's becoming a witness for you. It's, 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 it's just teaching. And maybe we don't know all the answers. That's okay. I mean, there's nothing greater than, than, than diving into your word and, and opening it up and allowing it to change the person beside you. It's just you doing it together with somebody else. God, I'm praying for, for opportunities. Lord, I'm praying for favor over those opportunities. And when those moments come, may we see people get it. And may we witness putting the ball in the back of the net. God, may that just, just move us more, allow our families to change, and, and watch this, this whole we movement allow, allow just to, to change everything in our communities, in our homes, and, and literally, I, I pray around the world. May it start right here today. May it start in a way that changes, changes my heart. God, I just pray for, for me, the things that I'm more stuck up on myself and me portions. May I not be a, a stumbling block to my neighbor in the way of how you want me to love my neighbor. God, there's some things there that I know I have to do. Lord, I look forward to the summer, how I can serve with my friends here who are going to be serving on these teams. Even tonight, Lord, I pray literally favor over our opportunity to just gather, watch a movie, celebrate the summer. Give us opportunities 
Give us boldness to share our faith. Allow us not to be pushy and just Jesus, 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 but let us just share the love that's inside of us and just have opening ears and just a humble heart and speak that word of wisdom when we know it's coming from you and you alone. Jesus, let us be focused, laser focused this summer on the mission that you've called us to. And allow us to go change the world. God, I love you and I thank you for this time. I'm just gonna reflect. I'm going to sing a song. I'm just going to enjoy what God's doing. Hey, the altar's open if you want to pray. Maybe you just want to sit there quietly, or maybe you want to stand and sing. But the worship team's going to start singing a song. I just ask you to be obedient. Be obedient to what God's calling you to go do. I love you guys.